0: Welcome back to Lethal. Let's talk about death row inmates. This week I'll be covering a Texas death row inmate. This week I'll be covering a Texas death row inmate. I'll be covering Juan Segundo. He's a serial killer that was sentenced for murdering 11-year-old Vanessa Vila. Before we jump into the case, let's go over some facts. Let's talk about CODIS. CODIS stands for Combined DNA Index System. This is a DNA database. It is a software that obtains DNA profiles. This is a national database. The federal, state, and local forensic labs contribute to this database. According to FBI.gov, CODIS was designed to compare a target DNA record against the DNA record contained in the database. If a match is identified by the software, the lab that ran the target DNA will verify the match and establish coordination between the two agencies. The match of the forensic DNA record against the DNA record in the database may be used to establish probable cause to obtain an evidentiary DNA sample from the suspect, and a court order will most likely be authorized to collect the sample of the offender. NDIS, National DNA Index System, is part of CODIS. This is used at a national level. This system contains DNA profiles and is implemented in all 50 states, the federal government, the US Army Criminal Investigation Laboratory, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. So how does your DNA get into CODIS? Well, you have to be a convicted offender, arrested, have legal issues, be a detainee, forensic casework meaning DNA samples like crime scene evidence, and unidentified human remains, missing persons, and relatives of missing persons. I'm covering this because we will be talking about CODIS in this specific case, so buckle up. So once again, I have a glass of wine and I'm ready to jump into the case. This week I'll be covering inmate number nine 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 five two zero. 520 Juan Segundo. He is currently 58 years old and is serving at the Polunsky unit in Livingston, Texas. Before we jump into the case, I wanted to give y'all a trigger warning. This case is very graphic, so I just wanted to give you a heads up before I jump into it. Let's start with Juan's background. Juan grew up in an impoverished life. Juan and his two brothers would forage for food when their mother would disappear for days. He grew up in El Paso, Texas. Juan, his mother, and his two brothers ended up leaving El Paso to go to California because his biological father was physically abusive and it sounds like the kids were neglected as well. Soon after, Juan and his brothers were placed into an orphanage, but they ended up reuniting with their mother. Juan's mother got remarried and the father was physically abusive and he was an alcoholic. This case starts on August 2nd, 1986. At the time, Vanessa was 11 years old and lived in Fort Worth, Texas with her mom, Rosa Clark, her one-year-old brother, Enrique, her aunt, Alicia Avila, and her aunt's three children. On this specific day, Vanessa got home around five to six in the afternoon whenever she got done working at the flea market. She fell asleep in her room with her clothes on. She shared this room with her mother and brother. Around 10 o'clock at night, her mom and aunt left the house to run an errand. When they got back to the house, her mother walked into her bedroom to check on Vanessa. In shock, she yelled for Alicia to come into the room. When she came in, she saw something she never expected to see. Vanessa was lying on the bed. She was naked from the waist down, and her shirt and bra were pulled up, and her legs were spread open. Rosa saw what looked like semen on her daughter's leg. Rosa and Alicia noticed the screen to the window was just hanging there. It was dangling. They also noticed the window fan was not in the place they left it. It was on a chair. After assessing the situation, they called 911 and Vanessa was taken to the hospital. Upon arrival, she was pronounced dead. When the medical examiner looked at her body, he noted that she had abrasions and bruises on her face. This injury was consistent with a hand being pressed over her mouth and nose. The cause of death was strangulation. She had abrasions on her breast and a bruise on her arm. Her vagina had a tear on the back wall and there was blood around her genitalia. According to law, the medical examiner said her injuries were perimortem, meaning the injuries happened around the time she died. At the scene of the crime, sperm was found on the sheets in Vanessa's vagina. Sperm can stay in the vagina for 48 to 72 hours. Investigators had three suspects in mind, but all three men were eliminated when their DNA was not a match. This was a dead end for investigators, which led Vanessa's case to be a cold case. Until 2000, a blood sample was taken from Juan. When a sample was taken, it was inputted into the CODIS database. March 2005, Vanessa's semen samples were inputted into the CODIS system. A couple days later, there was a match to the semen found at the crime scene and on Vanessa. The match was Juan Segundo. So you might be asking, how accurate is this match? Well, Juan had a rare micro allele in his DNA. So the odds of another person matching was not likely. So how did Juan know Vanessa and why was he never looked into? Well Juan knew Vanessa's family. Vanessa's mother and aunt worked at a nursing home with Juan's wife. Juan would drive his wife to the family home to the family's home sometimes. And get this, Juan went to Vanessa's wake and signed the guest book. So let's go back to Juan's past. Juan committed a rape and murder in nineteen ninety four and in nineteen ninety five. These women were raped and strangled. Semen was found in the victim's vagina or mouth. September 1994, 23-year-old Melissa Bedillo was kidnapped and murdered. November 1994, Francis William was found murdered. This is a suspected victim of Juan. And in June 1995, 32-year-old Maria Navarro was kidnapped and murdered. In 1987, Juan burglarized a home, Irene Perez's home. Irene was home at the time. She was choked hit in the face, and Juan tried to cover her mouth, but she fought him off, and she recognized him. She used to work with Juan back in the day. A couple years later, Juan burglarized another home, Sandra Holman's apartment to be exact. Sandra was home with her two children. They were asleep, and Sandra woke up to a man lying next to her naked. He was trying to take her pants off, so she started to scream. He tried to choke her, but ended up climbing out of the window he came in through. Sandra recognized him. She said Juan used to live at the apartment complex. In 1980, Juan molested his girlfriend's five-year-old daughter. This is graphic, so here is a trigger warning. Juan would babysit the little girl. He would buy her candy, then force her to give him oral sex. He would also threaten her. He would tell her that if she ever told her mom, he would kill her and her mother. So let's stop here real quick. If you have kids, don't trust anyone with your kids. If you're dating someone new, don't leave your kids with this person that you barely know. Run a background check on them. I don't have kids, but I do have a dog and she is my child. I have a small group of people that I trust to babysit her if I'm out of town. And I mean a small handful of people. So y'all, be more protective of your children. All right, let's get back into it. Juan was convicted December 2006 for murdering, raping, and strangling 11-year-old Vanessa Vila. Juan was sentenced to death. He is currently serving at the Polanski Unit in Livingston, Texas. He was scheduled to be executed October 10, 2018 by lethal injection, but his execution was stayed. The Texas Court of Criminal Appeals stayed his execution because of the concerns regarding methods used to detect intellectual disability. So before 2005, this case was a cold case. They had no suspects. All the suspects they had were ruled out. He popped on the police's radar when they did a routine CODIS run. His DNA profile was a match to the sperm found in Vanessa's vagina. So what do you think? Will Juan Segundo be given a new execution date? Or will he write out his days on Texas death row? Let me know what you think. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review on Apple Podcast. Go follow my Insta and Twitter and TikTok at lethal underscore podcast. I do try to post a new death row fact every day. Please feel free to shoot me an email at lethal.tcpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for a new case and a new inmate. I'll be covering a new death row inmate in a new state. See y'all then. All the information used in my podcast came from the following sources, tdcj.texas.gov, fbi.gov, law.justia.com, and Wikipedia. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.